Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has come as our Savior and who will return as our King, fellow redeemed. Tonight, our sermon text are the first seven verses of Psalm 85. There it is written, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. So far, the text. And let us pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Tonight, we ask that by them, you would lead us uh, through that cycle of repentance and forgiveness. As we hear your word, we ask that you would send your spirit to sanctify us, to set us apart from this world, that we might live for you forever. These things we ask in the name of your Son, our Savior and King. Amen. Fellow redeemed in Christ, I, I don't go out to buy socks every day. But fairly regularly, as Susan can attest to, I, I wear a pair threadbare and have to have it replaced. Life has many such little cycles, often with their attendant rituals. The members of the Altar Guild, for example, they refill these candles with oil so that they can burn for our service and remind us that the light of the world is present in the divine service. The cycle of the Advent candles over there, and the cycle of the church calendar that goes round every year. Parents of teenagers, are familiar with the cycle of restocking the milk in the refrigerator on a near daily basis. Our lungs inhale and exhale. Some cycles are clearly more important than others, more necessary. And tonight, God bids us again to pause and reflect on the most important, most necessary cycle during this time while we are here on earth. And it's actually not respiration or blood circulation. It's the cycle of repentance and forgiveness. It is the most important because it is that cycle that eventually moves us from death to life. Unlike the other cycles of our life, we did not enter into the cycle of repentance and forgiveness by our own choices or by some learning or some special ability. The cycle of repentance and forgiveness began in us because the Lord has been favorable to us. 
as our psalmist says. He begins, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. This is the beginning of the cycle of repentance and forgiveness. The Lord was favorable to your land. This is the attitude of God's heart, quite apart from anything that we have done. He chose to be favorable toward the land, and therefore he restored the fortunes of Jacob. Now remember who Jacob was. He was the younger son of Isaac, who nonetheless received the birthright that normally would have gone to his, his older brother Esau. And that blessing brought great riches to Jacob, including many sons. Among them was Joseph. And Jacob counted Joseph as his greatest treasure, outside of, of course, his Lord. And he lost his beloved son. Lost him not because Joseph died, but because his brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt out of envy. And yet God restored Joseph to his father and even to his brothers by moving him upward through the ranks in Egypt, by bringing a famine upon Israel so that in the end Joseph saved his family by bringing them to Egypt. God forgave the iniquity of his people and saved them, not because of the righteous things that they had done, but because of his mercy, because of his grace. And he covered all their sin, covered them with love, even the sins of Joseph's brothers, so that they were able to receive forgiveness from their brother with joy and live and eventually return to their land. The history of Jacob certainly parallels the, the greater worldwide history of the human race that began with Adam. When Adam broke God's command and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he brought desolations upon the earth and death to all things. And surely the Lord had reason to reject him from that point forward, but God had determined in his heart that he would not do that, that he would be favorable instead to his creation, that he would turn the damage into something wonderful. And so he began this centuries-long plan to save his wayward children and to bring them back from death to life. And that plan ran down through the ages, through Abraham, through whom the nations of the world would be blessed. And it ran down through his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his son Judah and so on down through the generations until that blessed day when the angel announced to the Virgin Mary that she would bear a son and name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And that he would also be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was God's answer to sin. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity 
who came down from heaven to take upon himself our human nature, to be one of us so that he could blaze the path from the land of the slavery to sin to the promised land of heaven above. And this he did by living, living as we have not lived. The child Jesus never talked back to his parents. The man did not speak ill of others. He obeyed the government when it was carrying out its duty. And he recognized that even in its corrupt state, the Lord was bringing about something good from it. And so when the time came, Jesus went to Jerusalem and he died for the sins of all mankind as God's sacrifice to himself. God took upon himself his own wrath instead of directing it at us. And he did this by taking our place in the person of Jesus so that the punishment that we should have received fell upon him and the eternal life that was due him became ours. And it's on account of that sacrifice that the psalmist writes, you withdrew all your wrath, you turned from your hot anger. When the Lord looks at us now, he sees his perfect son. Paul writes, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Thus began our cycle of repentance and forgiveness. The Holy Spirit brought us to, <coughs> excuse me, brought us to faith in holy baptism or by the preaching of the gospel so that we saw God's grace toward us, so that we knew his heart, so that we saw how those sins of ours grieve the Father. By the Spirit working through our baptism and through his word, we desire to turn away from that wickedness and to put an end to our sinning and to return our Father's love with thanksgiving and praise. But maybe you came here tonight quite aware that you have not stopped sinning. Maybe there's something that troubles your heart, keeps you awake at night. Maybe there's something there that would have you calling out with the psalmist, restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Remember who gave these words to us. It is the Lord's desire that we come with repentance and receive his forgiveness whenever we have sinned. He will not turn you away. Maybe that sin and its consequences continue to bind your life almost to the point of despair and maybe you wonder, will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I tell you tonight, look at where you are. 
and why you're here. And consider that you have prayed with the psalmist. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. And then remember that he certainly will answer this prayer that he himself gave to the psalmist for you and for me tonight and every day. Look at the opportunity you have. God is preaching to you. He forgives you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The name that he placed on you in your baptism. Tonight he has shown you his steadfast love. Tonight he's granted us salvation through the preaching of the gospel. The cycle is again complete. And the Lord has brought us to see our sins for what they are. The Lord has moved us to turn from our sins. The Lord has forgiven us in Christ and empowered us to lead a new life in him. Praise be to God for this. And thanks be to God that he will be with us in this cycle so long as we continue in this sin-filled world afflicted with the nature of Adam. So that someday soon, either when Jesus returns or we enter heaven through death, the cycle will end with us where the Lord wants us to be, by his side in eternity. Have you ever stopped to think about that last pair of socks that you will buy? Little details like that have a way of evading our, our well-practiced thought processes for avoiding thinking about death. Think right now about your last breath and realize that you are close to eternity right where you sit tonight. Put that thought Next to the theme for our sermon tonight, the Lord has been favorable to us. And when you do this faithfully, you will be prepared. Prepared to see his first coming rightly and know its power to save. And prepared for his second coming when he draws an end to this present evil age and ushers in the eternal celebration of the Lamb. Then you're ready to hear and to pray those final words of the scripture. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.